you don't have a Bible, look on with someone if you would. And we want to turn to Luke, the seventh chapter and verse number 23. And uh, this is what it says. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended of me. Psalms 119, verse number 165. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. And I want to preach for a while this morning on the thought, no offense taken. No offense taken. Master, we thank you for this day you've given us. Ask you, Lord, to speak to our hearts and help us, Lord. Open the windows of heaven, God, to our soul, we pray. In Jesus' name, Lord, anoint thy servant, we pray. Lord, speak to your people, and we'll humbly praise, give thee all the glory and the love. And everyone say, in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. As I was speaking here this morning and began to get ready and prepared to come here to speak, uh, I began to think about... So many people become offended. And if we could, this morning, if I could, if I could show you how, uh, how sad it is for people to become hurt, hurt feelings, feelings on their shoulders. Uh, some say, I don't understand this or I don't understand that. I wonder what the size of our assembly would be today if, if, it hadn't been for somebody that got offended. He didn't shake my hand. He, he preached right straight to me, and he hurt my feelings, and, and he made me feel so bad, and I, I just, uh, I, I'm offended. And uh, that's what I want to preach about this morning. I, uh, a lot of people, I've had men come to me and said, Now, my child's, in Sunday, my child's a good child. A very good child. And the Sunday school teacher uh, is picking on my child. And Brother Davis, I want you to stop it. <laughs> he wasn't, I mean, he gave me, he didn't give me no alternative. He just told me, he said, stop it, you know. I mean, of course, his child was perfect, you know. And, and of course, the teacher didn't really understand how. And, you know, really just, I remember being in Sunday school, uh, classes and so forth in our church and Sunday school meetings and we'd have a change of Sunday school teachers and sometimes my wife she likes to use the word turn over fruit basket just turn everyone over and take the ones that's teaching the lowest and put them to the highest and the highest to the lowest and oh I mean you talk about taking all the victory out of people I mean they feel like that they own it if you're like a man, and, um, and I, I made this statement one time, I said, well, don't blame uh, Sister Davis or the Sunday school superintendent for doing what they did. I said, they prayed, they sought the will of God. And so if you want to blame somebody, blame God for it. One person said, blame God? <laughs> you know, it's always, it's always someone else's fault, the reason why we're not what we should be. If it was different, I mean, you know, if we, if things were just different, I wouldn't be like I am now. I want you to stay with me. I want to preach for a while this morning. And I remember as a young man, we started going to church six years of age, 60, 
60 years ago, 61 years ago, and, and uh, I, uh, I've seen people that become so offended in, in, uh, in the house of the Lord, get mad in the house. I've seen people get so mad while I was preaching. A woman told me one time, and her husband told me, she said, this family was behind me, and you preached, and they said, that's not what the Bible says. And I was reading exactly what the Bible said, and she said it didn't say that. It was like my uncle. He, my dad was witnessing to him one time, and he said where him and the uni went down into the water, and, the, and my uncle said, that doesn't say water. Dad said, yeah, I believe it does. He said, right here, it says water. He said, I don't care what the thing says. It's still not water anyway. <laughs> you know, <coughs> some people are just so stubborn-headed. Stubborn way. I mean, I mean, my grandma and grandpa's in this way, and this is the way it's going to be. You know, and no different. No matter what, you know. And uh, and it's so hard for us to to change our way of doing things. Glory. You know, really, just like every once in a while, my wife she'll get a puzzle out and she'll start putting the puzzle together. I told her, I said, "Why do you want to waste your time on such a something?" I said. That is the most foolish thing that, I mean, do something that can be worth something when you get through with something, not just, she said, but it eases my mind. I said, well, it clogged mine up. <laughs> you know, everybody knows a better way of doing things, but the one that's overcharged of things, you know, and. And sometimes we don't get it done our way. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, it's, we become offended and we become hurt. And it seems like that's a sad way to put it, but it comes to the house of the Lord that we become offended on some things. And so the word offended means to attack or to molest or to despise or to be shocked or to hurt uh, and be transgressed against. The offense means wound, deep wounds. I mean, oh, you hurt so bad, and and uh, your feelings become hurt, you know. And it just it, it violates the trust of someone. It destroys the confidence of of an individual. He becomes offended, becomes because of a snare. The root meaning is to entice one to stumble. The root meaning of, of an offense means to cause someone to stumble. Cause someone to stumble. <clears throat> I remember as a very young boy that mother and dad was quite an unusual. They were very unusual. They wasn't highly educated, although he had more sense than I had and probably still does. He didn't go very far in school, but yet he had a way of managing doing things. That, but one thing that he always... Uh, being raised in the church and I would I wondered many times why dad didn't have more fellowship with people that was in the church especially those that was my age young men that was my age I'm talking about we the the old church we had back in 1940 was the largest apostolic church there was it probably in existence in that day it run 300 people back at 400 in, in 1940 so you can imagine how big of assembly it was and many preachers came out from under that assembly and 
uh, I had a missionary when I was in pastor in Mississippi, and I was, and uh, Brother Couples was his name, and we got talking, and I said, where are you from? And he began to talk to me for a while, and come to find out, him and I both sat in the same church. And uh, he began to tell me about some of the old days, and the old theaters, and the old storefront buildings, and, and uh, great men of God uh, came out of that assembly. And uh, old Brother McFarlane in our fellowship, uh, high in office and so forth, why, he just lived four or five blocks from where we lived and went to the church where we went to church. And great men came out of there and a lot of ministers came out of there. But I saw a lot of people become offended. And, uh, but dad always, he said, well, he said, let's, let's do it this way, son. He said, sometimes it's not good to be around some people very long. And, and, uh, and he said, sometimes it's uh, better to just... Uh, I'm getting a ring around here somewhere, but uh, uh, sometimes it's not very, he said, sometimes you get misunderstanding and, and you don't understand as what others maybe perhaps would do. And so we, he, he began to, I believe it's the monitor, brothers, what it said, and uh, he said sometimes it's, it's not good to be close, really close-knit to one another. I couldn't understand that. It was hard for me to understand. But I understand it clearly now. I understand it a lot clearly. <clears throat> because when people become so close to one another, a lot of times they open up and express their feelings, their dislikes and their likes and, and so forth. And, and then all of a sudden it, it, puts a, it puts an offense within one another. And, and you wonder, well, I wonder why it's quite like this. I'm, I'm going to get in the Holy Ghost here for just a little while. Just stay with me here. The root meaning is to entice someone to stumble. Amen. And uh, a brother offended, the Bible tells us in Proverbs, the 18th chapter, verse number 19. I want you to read it for me. But I found out that a lot of times it, it's like when, well, let's just use it this way. When your daughter-in-law comes in to live with you for a while. And all of a sudden you cannot see the good things. But all you can see is pick. Hello. My youngest boy, I mean, he's, uh, uh, he's, he's just, he's the baby. He'll always be the baby. I introduce him as my baby. And uh, he's a pretty good sized baby now. And uh, But he told me when he got married, he said, now daddy, he said, uh, I just, we just made up our minds that I was talking to my wife to be, and he said, we'll just move in with you. <laughs> that way we won't have to leave home. We'll just move right in. I said, no, you ain't moving in. I want you to, I'd love to have you to move in, but I, I don't want you to because it, uh, it would cause problems and situations and things that they wouldn't be that, that fellowship that it needs to be with the wife, your wife and us and so forth. And I'll never forget when he moved after he got married. And, and uh, now he was a mama's boy, and he was a daddy's boy. That's just all about it. In fact, he went on his honeymoon. He called me, and he said, Daddy, why don't you get your plane? Come on up here. He said, it's lonesome up in this place. <laughs> it didn't mean he didn't love her. And when I took him to the... Took him down, we got him down, and I all moved in his house, and, 
And I, I started to back out, and I watched my my baby, <laughs> and uh, he's hanging there at the door, and I'm crying, and, oh, God, you know, it's my baby, you know. <laughs> and I wanted him, really, basically, to move in. I mean, I wanted him to, but I knew it wouldn't be good for him. And I watched him stand at the door, and the tears run out of his eyes, and he said, Bye. <laughs> oh, it was hard. That was hard. That was hard. But I knew for his sake, for his sake, glory, and for your sake here today, it's not good to be real, real close to one another that you tell them your life, your love life, everything about you whatsoever. Uh-oh, I hit a stump right there. And first thing you know, you become offended. And all of a sudden you say, well, you know, I, I really have lost a lot of confidence in that individual. Now, you know I'm telling you right. I'm, uh, Proverbs 18, chapter verse number 19, it speaks about a brother offended. Brother Regan, would you read it? A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. And their contentions are like the bars of a castle. It's like bars of a castle. It's, it seems like it, you just can't get over it. When a person becomes offended, it just seems like that there is nothing that can help them to overcome it. They got the sad sack face. They got the, the sad looks. Because they become offended. And the devil magnifies it like under a magnifying glass and says, yeah, that's exactly right. You should have known that all along. It was just like that. Glory. You know, my mother and dad were, like I said, were quite unusual. I'm just going to take. I'm just going to walk in the Holy Ghost. I've got, I've got a good hour here to preach. And and they would people would come and since dad was he was all he was one of the uh, first men of the church and he was one of the last and. And uh, he, he, his life was involved in the church and the ways of the church. But they'd come to him with problems and saying they didn't like this, didn't like that. And my dad would look around right between the eyes. He said, let me tell you something, young fella. You get out of here and don't you ever come back. If you hadn't got something good to talk about, if you've got anything to say, you go talk to the pastor. Don't you bring that garbage in here. I remember my mother told a preacher's wife one time, which was back where I come from, there's about five preachers sitting on the platform. None of them ever done anything, just just sit there. Just like I had a man in my church, oh God, I don't know how I get in this now. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I had a man in my church when I went there, he said, I'm a lay preacher. I said, you're what? He said, I, he said he was a lay preacher. I said, would you, I, I, I'm kind of young at this thing. I said, but would you show me in the book of Acts where, where there was lay preachers at? He said, but you don't understand, Brother Davis. He said, he said, uh, he said I, I'm not called to go out into the field. I'm just called to stand behind a pulpit once in a while and preach to the people. I said, I want to tell you something. I said, I'm going to put you hard in this place, and I'll either get it out of you one way or another. You'll either get out, quit your job, and get with it. Or I said, you'll denounce it and say God didn't have nothing to do about it whatsoever. There's no such thing. God doesn't have two heads. He's not a freak. 
he doesn't have, operate his church that direction. Amen. And so here we looked at, he said, a person offended is, is almost impossible. I mean, almost impossible to, to straighten it out. I found out the, I've had people now, I've had this scores of times. So-and-so told a lie on me. Well, let's go in the office and talk about it. And they come out of that office shining, looking like a beautiful rose, and I come out a liar in the place. I had nothing in it whatsoever, not just sitting there listening. And that was all my fault. And they come out like it's perfect. Come out and hug one another. Man, everything's beautiful. You can't, you can't find who's lying. I found that a long time ago. Glory. Now this is just old potatoes to this morning just for a little while. He said, that, he said to embrace truth. And, and when one becomes poison, it's like bars of a castle that's hard to be broken. Amen. Matthew, the 18th chapter. And I'm going to go into the word of the Lord. Now stay with me. Matthew, the 18th chapter. And let's see what it says in, in, uh, in, in verse number 7. The Bible said, Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come. But woe to that man by whom the offenses cometh. He said there's going to be... <clears throat> There's going to be times that, that there's going to be a strong wind that's going to come your way. And it's literally going to just sweep you off of your feet. And you're going to wonder, Lord, uh, I don't know whether I can handle this or not. And I found out that, I mean, just like I've had very close men who were very close to me that preached this glorious gospel and all of a sudden began to walk away from the, from the truth of the Lord. And I would tell them, I said, as far as you and I, I, I love you, but I, I can't have fellowship with you. I don't want that spirit to, to, to rub off on me. I want to be saved. And, and even though I weep and cry and, and ask God for, for them to be merciful, God be merciful unto them, but yet, hey, they become offended by something that caused them really what uh, this what I'm preaching about is that that when a person becomes offended it's a trial to an, to an extent to see what you are made out of mighty trees stand a lot of strong wind some trees can't stand a strong wind I'll never forget there was a where a pastor, we have a lot of trees around, oak trees and so forth, and 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 it wasn't too big of a wind that came by, storm came by, and it split this great big tree right in half, and laid one one direction, one the other direction, and I didn't realize it was that kind of a wind that was there, but in the inside of that tree, you find out that it was rotten, it was dead to the point that something was wrong with that tree. And so, let me just say it this way. When you become affected by the offense of something, amen, it tells you that something inside of you is not what it should be. Glory. And when you're not what you should be, then it, it just takes a, a strong, just a, just a small wind, and sometimes a strong wind, amen, to destroy that which that you have with the Lord. 
He said, woe to the man that gets offended. Time comes, there's going to be a store. He's trying to see what you're made out of. Verse number 8. What if thy hand or thy foot offend thee? Cut them off. Cast them from these. Better for thee to enter into life halt or main rather than to have two hands or two feet and to be cast into the everlasting fire. And if I offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It'd be better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes be cast into hell. Amen. And what I'm trying to say is that whatever that causes you to be not what God wants you to be, separate yourself from that. Glory. Separate yourself from that. Come away from that. Amen. That you can obtain that which God wants you to obtain. He's speaking about this morning and God wanted me to talk about being offended. No offense taken. And so the church is, is the body. Amen. And it don't matter who the foot may be or who the hand may be. Sometimes you need to sever, amen, a fellowship and still love them as, as a brother or sister. But walk before God in the way that he wants you to walk. Let me use an illustration here. I remember when I first got the Holy Ghost, I was an insurance man. Had a high office in the church. And I had chances for promotion and so forth on up. And I turned them down to be, to be transferred and so forth. But one told me, he said, after I got the Holy Ghost, and, and uh, it was one of the places where we went was uh, this person that lived and went to the same church I went to. And she looked at me and she said, Brother Davis, she said, you're, you're kind of new in this thing. I just let her rattle her tongue. And she said, yeah, you, you, you remind me of one of them. I just do anything the pastor would tell him to do. I said, yeah, you're right. And she let me know that, you know, some things that you need to uh, think for yourself and instead of letting someone else direct you or to think for you. Well, it wasn't long until that particular person was preached out. Amen. I remember one time I, I, got a, I got a beautiful job and, and uh, this man that brought me into the company, he quit. And the manager called me in and he said, uh, I want to ask you a question, Mr. Davis. I said, what? He said, this man leaving the company, does it affect you? I said, why should it affect me? He said, well, he's your friend. I said, well, I realize he's, he's, he's my friend, but he doesn't put the bread and the butter on my table. Glory. The one sitting beside of you doesn't put the, put the glory and the joy of the Holy Ghost within you. It's the God of heaven. Honey, if you've got to walk this thing by yourself, walk it. If mama doesn't agree, fine. Walk it anyway. If your friend doesn't understand you, walk it anyway. Because when you start a praying and start a loving God, somebody's going to say, there's no need of all of that. But there is need of that. Because the God that called you is the one that brought you and they brought you to a, a place of conviction where you could get what you wanted, needed to get from God. Praise the Lord. When I come in this thing, I was far from every angle. My kinfolks would tell me, said, now look, now, now, uh, uh, 
you know, just some people just, uh, it's just, they have the gift of God. They talk in tongues just uh, all the time, it seems like, but there's others, you know, that God just barely, just maybe, oh, it doesn't mean you have to talk in tongues more than one time in your life, just as long as you talk in tongues. Hey, I come from a place that, that the preacher told me you can have what you want if you'll pay the price to receive what you want. Paul said, I speak with tongues more than you all. He was a tongue talker. And we find, we find in our hours of today that we find many people justifying their actions and their ways and their life. And all of a sudden, we become to the place we become offended, glory, and we become wondering exactly what's really going on. Let me stay with me just for a few minutes. Amen. The Lord will see what the depth part of your soul is. Amen. He checks the attitudes when he tells the pastor to tell you something. Glory. I look at sometimes when I was coming up in this, my pastor was the hardest man. I mean, he didn't think I had enough sense to pull water out of a boot, I think. He didn't think I knew anything. And I thought I knew more than he did until I got to pray and found out he knew more than I knew. And I was thankful for the advice and things that he gave me. He taught me some things. And he didn't teach them to me, but he showed them by example. Let's go a little farther here. You know, just let's just face it that God checks our attitudes and sometimes our old attitude stinks. I remember in years gone by, the wife and I'd have we'd never we don't ever fuss, but we'd have a discussion about something. And finally I told her, let's go to church and pray. She says, You mean you telling me I need to pray? I said, No, I'm telling you I need to pray. I need to change my attitude. For an example, I had 11 families walk out of my church back in, in the, right after Dad died. I thought I was going to die. They thought they knew more than what I knew. I went down to Florida, and, and I've always been a Florida boy. I love Florida. Just to think you could get up in the morning and eat your breakfast off of the trees in the backyard. Get them bananas and oranges and limes and grapefruit. Mm -hmm. I could eat them by the bushels. I mean, you don't even have to have nothing in between. Just hand me the fruit, honey. I'm marking them right at home. And I was preaching down there in Lake Okeechobee. I mean, it was beautiful. I mean, the, the fruit trees was everywhere. I was right in the season. And they had a little umbrella of a little stand out there with a little chair. And it was stacked full of grapefruit. I didn't need no sugar, honey. I didn't need nothing but a knife. Just cut them into foam and begin to eat them. And I ate and they said, breakfast! I said, I've got my breakfast right here. I don't need no breakfast. He said to me, he said, you ever eat any swamp cabbage? I said, no, I never have. Don't know what it is. He said, I'll fix you something, preacher. And what it is is the roots of the palm trees. And it tastes exactly like cabbage. And it, it was delicious. And, 
And I went to this church, this brand new church, and, and all stone and seashells in the driveway and nice parsonage was there. And I was telling the pastor, I said, you know, I said, I've always had a longing to come to Florida. I said, I just love Florida. And uh, I, I, I preached, and we had 12 people get the Holy Ghost, brand new people. I mean, they laid all over the floor everywhere in this brand new church, and, and it was just beautiful, and everything was going so good, and and I told the pastor, I said, man, I said, I'd love to pastor in Florida. I said, just something about Florida. I said, I just, I just love it. I love it so much. And uh, so I went home, and, and I guess I was home probably about four months, and the pastor called. He said, Brother David said, I got a word for you. He said, I said, good. I said, talk to me about it. And he said, well, he said, I resigned my church. He said, and, and uh, we've had a little vote around here. And he said, we've put you in as pastor of this place. And, and all you got to do is just come on down here to Lake Okeechobee, and it's yours. And you said you always wanted to go to Florida. And, and man, there I was, daydreaming, sitting under the old palm tree. Watching them coconuts swing back and forth. <laughs> I'll get you. Glory. My wife gets all, I'll go to the restaurant and say, just bring me a bowl of fruit. That's all I need. That's fine. Keep all the rest of it. Just bring the fruit. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there in my chair and big smile come across my face, you know. This has got to be God's will. I mean, there ain't no doubt about it. It's got to be God's will. And I said, honey! She commenced, what's wrong? I said, whoo, I said, I'm ready to go. Let's pack our suitcase. What, what, what are you talking about? I said, man, I, it's this church in Florida. I said, Lake Okeechobee. Metroplex area where I pastor, there's 29 churches. And if they don't like what I preach, they've only got three miles to go to sit under another man and say, welcome. And then if they don't like that one, they've only got two more miles farther to go. They go five miles and sit under another. And he says, welcome. Yeah. You know, Brother Davis always has been a fanatic. Yeah. And if they don't like that one, they're only going to go another five miles. And, well, it's three miles now. And, and, and sit there. And, and uh, I mean, nice-sized churches. And, and, you know, you don't have to do what you do in the whole Davis's church. And, and, I mean, you know, he... You really get a fresh breath of hair, you know, you get out of that place, you know. And, and I told my wife, I said, 60 miles before there's another one God church. Can you imagine? 60 miles. I said, they either live right or go completely the opposite direction. I can't wait to get there. And my wife said, I think you need to pray. Pray. Yeah, I mean, some things that look so good. Why pray? <laughs> I mean, it has to be God. I mean, they're all 100%. I mean, you don't get better than that. They wanted me 100%. Everything, fine. And they just couldn't wait. He said, I'm waiting. He said, T, let me know whether you're going to come or not. I'll call you, brother. I'll call you. He said, I built the church, and I can do what I want to do with it. He said, I can put you in there, and there's no problem whatsoever. He said, all I've got to do is just hear the word. You'll come. And my wife said, you better pray. Well, 
You know, some things you don't try too hard if you feel like you know what the will of God is. And so I said, well, Lord, maybe I better read the Bible for a while. So I read the Bible, and I opened it to the wrong place. <laughs> Paul was making his journey to Rome, where I was reading. And the Bible said, and the south winds were blowing. <laughs> yeah, Lord. The south winds were blowing. And Paul said, don't go. There's trouble on the sea. Don't go. How could that be, Lord? How could that be me? The south wind's blowing. And I said, well, okay, Lord. I'll, I'll stay here and I'll do what you want me to do. I thank God that had God some way or another offended me to the fact that I fell to my knees and began to pray and and don't get me wrong, I still like Florida. But I couldn't go. Everyone say praise the Lord. And you know, someone like some of you said, you know, I just I just feel like that I could do so much better at a better job somewhere else. The devil's going to try everything he can to try to destroy you and push you away from that which he can get you to to give you the full direction of life and, and the fullness of the spirit that he wants to give you. I don't know why I'm in this right now. This was not my plan. But you know, let me share something with you here. And just while I was in this dilemma, a man from West Texas called me. Presbyter called me. Brother Davis, I said, yes, sir. Yes, his brother, and he mentioned his name. He said, there's a church out here that wants you out here to pastor them. I said, where? He said, he told me, Ranger, Texas. I said, Ranger? I have never been to Ranger. I have never set foot in a church in Ranger. I have preached there since, but not for that situation, but years down the road I did. And Ranger, I don't know nobody in Ranger. He said, somebody knows you, and somebody knows enough about you that they want you to come. I said, would you tell them thank you, but no thanks. The devil knows when you're uprooted and you're, you're tossing back and forth in the wind. Glory. It was, hey, the Brother Regan hadn't said nothing to me. But what I'm saying is that we become something what the devil would like to do is to offend you to the fact that you'd be unstable. And you'd feel perfectly satisfied when it wouldn't be the nature of God or the will of God for direction in him. And so he tries to send us off course. Amen. And every once in a while we just have an old attitude that it just completely stinks. Matthew, the 15th chapter. I want you to look at verse number 12, 15 and verse number 12. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. 
Everyone that does not have what God wants them to have, and they reject that which God wants them to have, they become all of a sudden rooted up. And you wonder why, what caused them to be rooted up? Hey, I've pastored the same place going on 25 years. I know what I'm talking about. All of a sudden, someone becomes un uncomfortable. For an example, a woman told me one time, she said, I, I'm going to be a model. I said, a model? She said, a model. I looked at her and I said, a model? Who is? She looked like Popeye's wife. I, I'm not joking. Uh, a model. You know, the devil tells you, you're so pretty. I mean, you're the answer to the world. That lying devil will lie to you, tells you, you don't belong. That preacher don't love you. He, ain't, he don't care anything about you. Nobody loves you in the church. Nobody shakes my hand. Nobody has anything to do with me. Hey, that's the devil's way of trying to offend you to the fact to get you out. Glory. Can I tell you the man and his wife are both backslid today? It's because that they become offended. Something bothered them. Amen. He said every plant that is not planted. Amen. By the Lord. Shall be rooted up. That gets rid of some of them spirits that they feel like they really got it when they hadn't really got it at all. All right, I'm, I'm going to preach to you for a while here this morning. Every plant that's not planted shall be rooted up, dug up. Amen. And every church has got excess baggage. Every church does. Amen. And the Lord deals with the spirits, amen, that, that which you possess. Some people have the old grudging spirit. Amen. They will be uprooted of that. Matthew, the 21st chapter. 21st chapter and verse number 18. Visitor friend, you'll understand more what I'm talking about in just a little bit. Now in the morning as he returned into the city, he hungered and turned and saw a fig tree in the way. He came to it and found nothing thereon but leaves only. And he said unto it, Let no fruit grow on it, therefore henceforth forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? I want you to look. There's the words that I want to bring out to you. When he saw the fig tree in the way, it wasn't planted there. It just happened to be there. No dresser. You know, you hear people say, I don't need to go to church to be saved. I can be saved without going to church. Let me just share something with you. You're missing what God has gave the church. God gave the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. He gave the church. And so if you don't come to church, how can he give anything to you? The church is where you find it. The church is where you get what you need from the Lord. It's the church. You get all messed up when you begin to... Uh, characterized and, and dissected by yourself, amen, in, in the privacy of your home. He said, forsake not the assemblings of yourself. 
You're forsaking the church. You're forsaking the evangelist. You're forsaking the pastor. You're forsaking the teachers and the gifts that God gave the church. And you do not have what God wants because you are forsaking the gifts that he gave the church. Here was a tree that was just planted by the way. I want you to look at something here. The tree, I find out that's not sprayed. A fruit tree is not sprayed. becomes wormy and bugged. It does not become trimmed as it needs to be trimmed because who cares about it? It's like a friend of mine who was, was driving in the state of Washington. And I've been there and, and uh, preached that part of the country in Oregon. And, uh, but uh, he said he stopped. He saw some apple trees on the side of the, uh, the road. And, and so he stopped to get him one. He looked so good from a distance. And he got up there and he, and he pulled one off and he, because it was just much his was anybody else because taxpaying property and tax, I mean tax exempt because of the state. He said, I looked at it and he said, it was shriveled. It had wormholes in it. And he said, and I looked right across the fence and there was a big orchard, apple orchard out there. Them Washington Stark Delicious and it was a beautiful orchard there. And he said, I thought, man, I'd like to have one of them apples. Now what's the difference between that apple over there and the apple by the wayside? This one here is not attended. This in here is not taken care of, not watched over. But the one in there, there's, there's one that does watch over it. So he found one by the wayside. Amen. And he cursed it. He cursed the fig tree, the Bible tells us. Amen. And that's uh, Matthew 21. Amen. Matthew 21, verse 18 and 19. And in Luke, the 13th chapter, in verses, chapter number 13. Luke 13 and verses number 6, starting with verse number 6, 13 and, and verse number 6. The Bible said, and he spake unto this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted. Now that's the difference. One's planted, the other one just grows up. This tree was planted. I want you to look at what he's saying here to this in the sixth verse tree planted in his vineyard and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none same identical thing then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard behold these three years i have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none cut it down why cometh to the ground and he answered and said unto him lord let it alone this year also till i shall dig about it and dung it or fertilize it. There was a keeper that was there. There was a keeper of the vineyard. Glory. God's got to have a keeper of the vineyard. Glory. He's got times he's got to come and tell you. Amen. That needs to be this or that or so forth. But he said let me put some dung around it. Let me fertilize it just a little bit longer. I want you to look back into the book of Matthew. Again into the 13th chapter. And uh. I know we're spending a lot of time in different places covering the word of the Lord, but this is very, very important. The 20th verse, starting with verse number 20, 13 and 20. The Bible said, but he that receiveth seed in stony places is the same as he that heareth the word, and nor with joy receiveth. Yet he hath not root in himself, but doeth for a while. But tribulation and persecution arises because of the word. 
By and by he becomes offended. What offends a person? The word. The word of God is what offends them. It makes them mad. Glory. It, it upsets them. Amen. The, and the reason why it upsets them is the fact is that they are not planted like God wants them to be planted in the house of the Lord. Stay with me for a few minutes here. There's a difference of being just there and planted. Amen. But the word of God will show what nature that you really are. You know, there's danger in a person when a person gets mad at what the preached word has got to say. Get your eyes on the Lord in this book. It'll wash you. It'll cleanse you. Amen. In Matthew, the 15th chapter, this is where I want to go. I've been waiting to get here. 15 and verse number 21. Then Jesus then departed unto the coast of fire and Sidon. And the Bible said, Behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. She, the approach, the approach to God, the approach to realize. I wanted to talk about the approach a few minutes. When we approach him, we're unworthy to stand before a king such as the king that we have. <clears throat> He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. But I want you to share, I want to share something with you. This woman, she put on a massage, so to speak. She wore a set of clothes to look like she was Jewish in all ways. She probably tried to fix her face in a way like the Jewish maidens of them days did. And she cried unto the Lord. And the Lord looked at her. And the Lord, when he looked at her, he realized that, hey, that's a massage. You know, some people cry when they get mad. Some people, when they don't like something, they get very mad and they begin to, to cry. But here was a woman that was making the approach to the fact that even the disciples liked what they saw. But I want to tell you something, we serve a God that goes beyond the massage, he goes beyond the smile of the face, but he goes to the depth of the heart, and he knows what is in the heart. He knows the heart, the intent of the heart, he knows everything about it. And we'll say praise the Lord. He knows everything, amen. And everyone say praise the Lord. And I want you to listen when I'm... When not a word. You know, I've heard people say, I just can't get that Holy Ghost. Honey, if you'll repent, you'll get it. If you open your heart and say, God, you know the reason why a lot of people don't receive it is because they don't feel the necessity of it. You know, I, I talked to a, a, a high, high tech art architect here the other day and he was talking about how God had changed his life. And how he'd been going to a Holy Ghost church. And I asked him, I said, where they believed that they could, could receive the Holy Ghost. And I asked him the question, I said, have you received the Holy Ghost <clears throat> since you've been there? He said, well, uh, no, no, I haven't. I said, you know why you haven't received it? 
He said, no, please tell me. I said, I'll tell you why. It's because where you're going, they don't even believe in the necessity of receiving the Holy Ghost. And so why should you receive something that you don't feel is a necessity? I want to tell you something. The Holy Ghost is the only thing that's going to clean you up. Take the tobacco from you. Take the alcohol. Take the drugs. Take that unclean sexual spirit out of you. It is the only thing that will clean you up. It's the Holy Ghost. I went down to City Hall. was talking to them about a permit for the church. And he said, well, he said, uh, from best I can figure, he said, it's going to cost you about $4,100 for a permit to build this church. That's just the building. That's not counting the, since you build it over 31 foot high in the air, it was going to cost you another $250. I don't know if that's per foot above that or whatever, and I want to go 32 foot above that. And, uh, and he began telling me this and that and the other, and I said, you know what, sir? I said, it is a shame and a disgrace. He looked at me. I'm talking to the head men down there now. I said, it's a shame and a disgrace. Do you realize I got a man in my church that was a heroin dealer? I said, he was on the street selling heroin for years and years. I said, he came in and got the Holy Ghost and living for God. I said, two years ago, that man, which is a black man, gave more money to my church than anybody in my church. Do you realize I'm a preacher that gets the drunks off of the street? He been gets the dope addicts, the prostitutes, and all the ungodly people off of the church, off of the street, bring them into the church, and God saves them. And you got a gun in my back trying to keep me from doing that? What this world needs, what the church world needs, is an old-time apostolic, amen, Holy Ghost revival. You say, well, it's not very essential. I beg your pardon, it is essential. It's not the spare tire in the trunk. It's the motor under the hood. You ain't going nowhere without it. Amen, 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 amen. I want you to look at this. Here was a woman that she looked real good. She was dressed to the attire. Read, open your Bible. No, I mean, just look at it here. She had on all the apparel. She had everything that she really needed here. That's what she said. But he answered her not a word. God said, I answer not a word. And his disciples came and besought him saying, send her away for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I'm not sent to you, you're a Gentile. You may look like a Jew, you may act like a Jew, you may have a dialect of a Jew, but you're not a Jew. And I didn't come to help you, I come to help the lost tribe of Israel. I come to the Israel people. Jesus looked at them and she, and she was crying. And everyone said, you know, it's like the world said, oh, they, they look like a Christian, they act like a Christian. Amen, they may look like one, act like one, be one. Hey, I've sat in the courtroom many times. Amen. When you really get religious, you know, these, these are convicts really get religious. They lay their Bible down where everybody can see it. You know, I'm a real Bible believing. Honey, if you was a Bible believing, you wouldn't be in there. 
And I want to tell you something. If you ever go to one, don't take one because they'll throw the book to you and I hope they do. So many people try to hide behind the real book. Amen. Amen. Say that there's something when they're not. A lot of people say they're a Christian and lie like the devil. Look like the devil. Act like the devil. Participate in the things of the devil. He looked at her and he said, Hey, I didn't come to you. You may look like a Christian. You may act like a Jew. You may look exactly what they are, but I haven't come to you. He said, you're a dog. I want you to look at this. Nothing could make her mad. Nothing. No, I mean, some of us were said, let me just tell you my first time in a real Pentecostal church in Mississippi. I was sitting there, me and my wife. She's all decked out. Gold and silver, carrot rings on each side, pretty high flute, you know, in my business suit sitting there, real dignified. We just sit back and just ease while that preacher preached, you know. I mean, we looked as good as any they did, but we just sit back and all of a sudden the evangelist, he's crazy, that man was. He said, let's everybody stand. Well, come on, woman, stand. So we stood. He said, everybody is baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. Would you sit down? And I thought, you dog, you. And there stood me and my wife. Only two in the whole church. I mean, the place is packed. Only two. Finally, I told her, I said, come on, honey, sit down. He ain't going to let us sit down. Sit down. So we sit down. He offended me. I didn't like what he had to say. I looked for loopholes to see what he had to say. I wanted to slaughter him and cut him, you know. In fact, that's pretty mean back in them days. I mean, wouldn't mind meeting him outside, meeting him outside somewhere and telling him who's boss around this place. Now, glory. Jesus looked at this woman and said, You're a dog. Did she run? He said, You're a dog. She said, Yeah, Lord, I'm a dog. But she said, The dogs eat the crumbs. Would you give me a crumb? I know you can't give me a whole slice of bread, but I know you can do something for me. He couldn't offend her. He couldn't make her mad. He did everything he could to get her mad. He said, you dog, you, go on home. I'm not going to give you anything. Oh, when the church becomes where God wants that open door out. Amen. When this man can't make you mad. Amen. The more harder he preaches, the more you love it. Amen. He, he said, and he gets right down to where you're living. And you say, yeah, Lord, I'm guilty. But Lord, give me a crumb. Glory. Give me a crumb, Lord. I know I'm not what I should be. 
I know I'm a long ways from where I need to be. But God, give me a crumb. Give me a crumb. Glory. You can be seated. God's going to have a church that he can't make somebody mad. Glory. I'm preaching to you this morning. He's going to have an assembly that's not looking for a pacifier or someone to make them feel good. He's going to have a church that he can, he can tell you, you're a dog. I don't need you. I pastored Mississippi for three and a half years. I'll tell you what, I'm the only one ever resigned that church is afraid of me. I'll tell you what, God was tired of that tomfoolery. God's tired of the church. Amen. And people seem like they know everything and God can't tell them anything. I preached one night and got one of the men in the altar. Amen. He came to me. He said, hey. He said, he said, you and I got a few disagreements. I said, yeah, we sure do. Come on in the office and let's thrash it out. We walked into the office. This was an elderly man too. He's dead now. But he came in the office and he began to sit back real proud. I said, I want to tell you something right now, sir. I don't need you or what you got to offer or anything you can put in the plate. I don't need you. You're a tear. You're a tear. You're a tear. Listen to me. You go around the city telling everybody, running down the church, running down everything. I said, you're a tear. He started crying. He started weeping. He said, oh my God, preacher. He said, pray for me. Help me. I don't want to be lost. We got a bunch of, bunch of preachers in this world. Amen. They, they wear pantyhose, I believe. They ain't got no guts in them. They need to eat something. They'll give them some guts. They need to eat a whole bowl of chitlins or something and give them some guts. If I can make you mad, you're not going. If I can make you mad enough and get mad at me, you're not going to heaven. The Bible tells us that. My Lord, let's lift our hands and love the Lord. Glory. You say, my Lord, preacher, you aren't the man. You can be seated. No, when I came to Dallas, I hadn't been in Dallas a month. And that elderly man came over. He said, I just wanted to come see you, Pastor. I want to come see you. Looking for a man that had enough guts to preach to him. What this church needs and what this world needs is a preacher with guts. I believe he sent you one with some cuts. Hallelujah. If he can make you mad, he'll root you out. I don't care how long you've been here. You might set the pillar in the church. You may put the cornerstone in the church. If you can be rooted out, God will root you out. God doesn't need you. Oh, listen to me. He doesn't need me, but I need him. Offended. I'm preaching about being offended. 
every little thing just don't like this and don't like that. So, so you don't like it. God does. Let's love the Lord. Let's love Him. Just give me a crumb. Master, would you give me a crumb? Hallelujah. Just give me just. You say, you know, preacher, you're clear out of context of the word of God. Love lifted me. Yeah, love them right to hell. Love your people right to hell. Doctor says, you get an examination, you're, you're in good shape, man. Said, Everything's fine. Oh, come on, doc, quit lying to me. What's this problem down here? You got two weeks to live. When are you telling me to begin with? Did actually the Lord act this way? You know, you wonder why your pastor preaches like he does. Well, <laughs> he got it off of me. He just just kind of rubbed off on him. That's all it was of it. All of them come out from under me. Just they just same way. Just kind <laughs> of rubs off on them a little bit. Jesus looked at Simon Peter. Amen. I want you to look at 16th chapter of the book of Matthew. Verse number 22. Then Peter took, took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, that this should not be upon thee. But he turned and said unto him, Peter, you devil, you get behind me. I want you to look at something. Here's a man, the Bible says, had the keys to the kingdom of God. Lovest thou me more than these? Lord, thou knowest. Feed my sheep. Lord, you lovest thou me more than Simon Peter? Do you love me more than these? He said, feed my lambs. Simon Peter, do you love me? And about that time, Lord, thou knowest. He's getting angry now. And just back in Matthew, he said, this can't happen to you, Master. They're not going to put you on a tree. They're not going to do these things to you and beat you. They'll never do it. He said, you devil, you. Satan, get thee behind me. You do not know what you're doing. Get behind me. And he says, in another place, he says, and the disciples got real angry. And, they, and Simon Peter and someone said, Man, that's a hard saying. <laughs> that's hard. Lord was, Simon was trying to tell the Lord, said, that's pretty rough now. I had a man helping me one time, pastored in Dangerfield, Texas now. He was helping me in Columbia. And one night I got wild, dog. Did I? I mean, you ain't never seen me yet like I was there. And after church was over, he said to me, oh, Carlton said to me, he said, Brother Davis, he said, my God, man, there ain't nobody going to listen to you. He said, Lord, that's hard. I said, yeah, they will. Those that love God will. They'll come along. 
they'll get the glory, the things of the Lord. And you know, I can see old Simon Peter. Old Simon Peter, I mean, he's, he's always the first outrun. He's boisterous, you know. Old Simon Peter sitting there with his chin all cocked aside. Pretty hard, Lord. Does this offend you too, Peter? You go on too with them. The rest of them left. You get out of here and go on. He said, but Lord, where can I go? What can I do? What can I do? Thou hast the keys. Thou hast the life of all things. What can I do? Hey, some of you don't like what I'm preaching. You ought to send it to John the Baptist. He said, you bunch of snakes. You bunch of ungodly people. Repent. Who told you to come here anyway? That's what John the Baptist was saying. They came, he said, he looked at them. He preached hard to them. You know, we're living in a world that they want to be patted on the back. No, you need to be kicked in the seat. You need an old apostolic preacher to preach to you and get the sin out. You don't want to sin before God looking like you look, acting like you act. Everyone say praise the Lord. He couldn't offend him. He couldn't. You can be seated. He just couldn't offend old Simon Peter. When the Lord looked at him. Yeah, old Simon Peter, he had a trouble cursing too. He could really curse. I don't know the man he cursed. Everyone said to sound like him. Talk like him. Talk like one of them. You sure you're not? I don't know the man. And all of a sudden, he heard the voice of an old rooster. He said, hmm, master said that that thing would crow like that. He said, and the Bible said he went out and he wept bitterly. He wept bitterly. But when you find when he got the real evidence of that which God had gave him called the Holy Ghost, glory you're looking at one of the how's an honorary old boy but God got a hold of me that preacher preached to me he tore me from one side to another and I realized I needed something I needed something that's real visitor friend God brought you here he brought you here to let you know there's some preachers around here not afraid to preach Hallelujah. Amen. And so, I want to close with this. Amen. You ever pray and it seemed like your prayers was, just seemed like couldn't be answered? I had a double operation on my hips. I've seen God raise the dead twice. I've seen him do miraculous miracles. And... I'll tell you what, that was one of the crises in my life in 1994. I'd sit in the chair and pain was excruciating. I mean, it was terrible. And, and I'd pray, God, where are you? 
had men tell me from across the country in Arkansas, different places, that God don't answer his prayer. Well, no use me me praying for one because he won't answer mine either. I keep praying. Seemed like the more I prayed, it seemed like the farther away God was. Seemed like it was impossible. In fact, I got down places and said, Lord, you remember me? Where are you? God, I've seen you do the impossible. I've seen you run your finger down a spine that was twisting a backward S and straighten it. I'm a 217 Manhattan God. Where are you? Am I doing something wrong, God? I love you. It seemed like the heavens were brass. Seemed like I couldn't hear. And a man of God came to our church and I was low and I was wondering, where's God? I mean, Lord, I haven't done anything wrong. What's, where are you? And this man of God walked up to me and he said, for thus saith the Lord, even though your steps may be slower, but the anointing I will never take away from thee, saith the Lord. I said, that's what I've been waiting for. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. You know, some things just don't, we wonder why that he doesn't answer a prayer. God knows what he's doing. He really does. I was in Oregon last year. He was a man I spent several, well, I spent an hour or so with him talking to him about the Lord and and he told me, he said, my hips are bad. He said, I'm going to have to have hip replacement. I said, well, you're talking to a man that had two of them done, $60,000 worth of them done. And I said, you just might as well make up your mind. If God doesn't heal you, you're going to have to go through it. I told him all the things that I had to go through, and he said, well, here's one man that's not going through with it. I don't have the money, don't have the insurance, and I'm not. And I said, it don't matter whether you got it or you don't have it. I said, there's no choice unless God heals you. I was preaching in, in Oregon last year. I was preaching faith. The power of God was strong in that place. People getting miraculously healed. He walked up. And I said, God, give him a new set of hips. And I anointed him with all in the name of the Lord. And the power of God hit him. And he shouted. And he talked in tongues. And shouted and talked in tongues. I saw him at Brother Sirstead's meeting at Red River. About five days later, he walked up to me and he said, Praise the Lord, Brother Davis, praise the Lord. I said, Praise the Lord. He said, You can't imagine what happened. I said, What? He said, Ever since you prayed for me, God gave me a new pair of hips. And he began to jump up and down. And he began to worship God. He said, I don't have no pain. I don't have no hurt. And I'm perfect. There's nothing wrong. Does this offend you, Brother Davis, because I never healed you? No. No. Because them six months, I laid flat on my back, counting the ceiling stars and everything I could think about, reading that blessed book through and through, God began to deal with me. He said, I want to slow you down, 
It's just to let you know how much I really do love you. And because thou hast not got offended. I wasn't at conference this year. At my conference. And I was, I was wondering. I'm getting older and I've got a lot of work to do. I've got a beautiful sanctuary to build. A million dollar sanctuary to build. And when I get back and, and I was kind of, God, you're going to give me strength. You're going to give me strength, God. You're going to give me the, the wisdom to know how to do it. Glory. And all of a sudden, there was a man of God that stood there and said, Brother Davis, listen to me. For thus saith the Lord, though your steps have been slower, your life is in my hands. Listen, be not afraid, for the anointing is upon thee, saith the Lord. I said, <laughs> here we go, building. Here we go. Does this offend you because God didn't do something for you? No. No. Just made me love him more. When God doesn't do something for you, and you don't get what you really want, you don't get to teach the Sunday school class you want to teach. You don't get to sing that special and he just sing. He doesn't get you to testify like maybe you think you should be testified. Does this offend you? Does it hurt you? Jesus will let us know this morning that he's going to take someone like the Syrophoenician woman and make a church out of him. Glory. Praise God. The old timers. I come out of the old timers church. I remember my daddy telling me, preacher get up and said, we need carpet in this church. And man, we was already wearing holes in our socks and holes in everything we had. I mean, mother bought shirts. She'd roll them up about three or four times and sew them. As I growed, then she'd unhook them and go a little longer. I wore pants that the crotch was hanging to the knees almost because I had to grow into them. Every evening I'd always come home from school and cut new pasteboard for my shoes and make sure you stay out of the water puddles. I mean, we was poor, very poor. Dad didn't make much money, but he loved God. Mother loved God. They always paid their tithes. Always came, went to the house of the Lord. One time, he said, do we need carpet around this place? Dad said, praise the Lord. And the pastor said, that'll cost you $100 for opening your mouth. Man, we're talking about a month's work. Dad said, praise the Lord. We'll make it. God always let it happen. He couldn't be offended. Glory. One young man in the church, he thought he was a Casanova. And my sister was one of the most beautiful girls that there was in that whole area, in that part of the country. And he was one of these Casanovas. He exposed himself to her. It happened to be the preacher's son. And my dad, oh, talking about a Davis spirit rise up in him. Ooh. I mean, he's ready to kill everything that was in sight. 
You ain't never seen a fighter like he was. He used to tell me, he said, when I was a young boy, he said, all I wanted to do was go to the peanut socials. I said, what's the peanut social? He said, we'd sit around and crack peanuts, and then we'd fight the rest of the night and burn the shed down where we was at when it was all over. He's mean. Drank home brew all night long, whipped everything he could get a hold of. And if you open your mouth halfway crosswise, he closed it for you. He's mean. He walked into the pastor and he said, what you going to do about it? Pastor said, I'll take care of it. I'll whip him. I'll make him. Uh, he'll never want to do it again. I'll take care of it. Dad said, fine. Lord bless you. We'll see you later. Walked away. Couldn't offend him. Now let me tell you the miracle. The boy prayed through. Went to Bible school, graduated, felt his call to preach, straightened his life out. Dad was the head of anything that was in the church. He was head of the committee, the pulpit committee. He was head of everything. If it was, de if it was deacons, he's head of it. Trustees, he's head of it. Ushers, he's head of it. He's head of everything. He was the first one almost in the church. The pastor won him to the Lord. And the pastor died. But this boy changed his life. I guess the hardest thing that my daddy probably ever done all his life. He walked behind the pulpit one day, he told me. I wasn't there. He said, church, let's stand. They all stood. He said, our pastor's dead and he's gone on to be with the Lord. His son has Graduated from Bible school and he's a good man, one who loves God. I want everyone to stand and I want to introduce you to our new pastor of the greater, of the apostolic church here at 1079. I want to introduce him as a pastor of our church. And dad loved him, fell before him. Come on, a submission to you. My God, give us people that cannot be offended. Shall we stand? Oh, what a heritage. God gave me a heritage above all heritage. He gave me a mother and a dad that could not be offended. And to this very day, the reason why I preach this glorious gospel, there was no preachers in our family, no aunts, uncles, cousins, relatives. Over 200 years, and no one had ever been a preacher in the Davis family or the Darty family. But God reached down and saw an old wayward boy and said I'm going to save him I'm going to call him to preach my word he won't be offended of me because it's in his blood he just won't get mad and become offended at me of whatever I do every head bowed every eye closed Oh, God, some way, put a spirit in your people, God, that cannot be offended.
whatever may come or go, that they cannot be offended. To our visitor friends, God, I pray, Lord, that something that would touch them, Lord, that they have yearned and longed for, may be heard today, God, what their desire of their heart is. God, touch them, we pray, O oh Lord. Fill them with the Holy Ghost, Lord. Lord, let them know that life is real when they become not offended at you or your word. Shall we lift our hands and love the Lord? I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. What will root you out of the church? Hard preaching? Devil's got a trap for you. What is it? What's your, what's the trap he's got set for you? Play softly if you would. He's got a trap set to make you mad. There's a lady in our church right now that uh, her boy did some ungodly things and when we approached him, my boy wouldn't do that. No, my boy, not my boy, not my boy, not my boy, no. But it was his boy, her boy. And his boy that done it. Well, does this offend you? Does these thing because I don't do what you want me to do, does this offend you? God's saying tonight. Does this bother you because I haven't? I knew a man one time that died and went out of this world. He got mad because then. The preacher he thought should have been his pastor didn't wasn't his pastor and he just got mad and just sat back there. They told me, said that he was the most spiritual individual in the whole church, that he run. And he talked in tongues and loved God. But when the new pastor came, he just sat back there, he's mad. He didn't get his will. He got offended. He didn't want that preacher to preach his funeral. He wanted nothing to do with that preacher. Wouldn't pay his tithe. Wouldn't, wouldn't do nothing. He just sat back there mad. And he'd stand, he'd stand mad. Nobody's going to get me out of this church. But all of a sudden, a big old blood clot about the size of a baseball got into his stomach. And the doctor said, you've got one choice. It either goes up or it goes down. If it goes up, you're a dead man. And if it goes down... He said, we'll have to take off your legs or whatever it may be, a big blood clot. But it moved upwards and killed him. And he went out of this world offended because he didn't get what he really wanted. God's talking to this church. Let's lift our hands and love him. God, I love you. I love you. I won't be offended, God. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. You know what's best for me, God. Hallelujah. Come on, church, let's pray. Have you had a prayer that wasn't answered? Has someone hurt your feelings? Have I hurt your feelings today? Have I got you thinking today? He'll have a church that will not be offended.
Shall we kneel and pray to our visitor friends? God bless you for coming. We're glad you come. Please come back and be with us again. Every service is different. Has it come back? God bless you. To be like Jesus. To be like Jesus.
journeys from earth to glory I only ask to be like Him I want to be Bye. 